It is not cool to be in a place that's so cold. But we are here because we're celebrating the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. So wonderful to see all of you here this morning. We have the opportunity with the sun rising this morning to celebrate the resurrection of Christ. I was reading early this morning, uh, far too early, about the fact that there are certain historians, I think, of good, uh, reputable names who are saying about today, April 4th, that this could very well have been the day, April 4th, that Jesus Christ arose from the dead 1,988 years ago. And if that is true, and I largely think it is, this is a most celebratory Easter that we're having. And we are grateful for that. I wanted to take maybe uh, an hour or two this morning. No, let me, let me uh, change that. 15 or 20 minutes or so to emphasize, obviously, the resurrection, but to do so in a manner that you and I might not automatically think of when we think of Christ being raised from the dead. What I mean by that is that when we are thinking about resurrection power, the very power that raised Jesus from the dead is a power that is so vast, it is so magnanimous, that the Bible, of course, teaches us that it is the resurrection of Christ as the first fruits that will result in the resurrection of everyone. Now that, my friends, is power. If Jesus has been raised from the dead by the power of God, and if through that resurrection all persons shall rise, then that is, that is an enormous power. And of course, we know that the Bible teaches that it's also a kind of power that, as I said, raises everyone from the dead. That includes believers and unbelievers alike. And we don't often think about it that way, but when unbelievers are also raised from the dead by the power of God, they will be resurrected to judgment. And of course, we as believers are going to be raised from the dead in that self-same power so that we will be raised to the resurrection of the righteous, where our bodies will be rejoined to our souls, our spirits, so that, as the Bible says, we will be forever with the Lord. And the first fruits, 1,988 years ago, on Sunday morning, April 4th, there was an opportunity for questions to be asked about Jesus and his resurrection. I mean, even the disciples, of course, doubted. One can scarcely look at Thomas, who doubted, and who has forever the name Doubting Thomas, though I'm sure 
right now and for the last uh, almost 2,000 years, um, he is trying to remind everyone, I'm doubting no longer. And this kind of power, the power that raised Christ from the dead, is of such phenomenal and incredible power that the Bible actually teaches us that all three persons of the Godhead were involved in raising Jesus from the dead. I don't know if you know that, but there are passages in the New Testament that teach us unmistakably that the Father, the Son Himself, and the Holy Spirit were all involved in raising Jesus from the dead. We might usually assume that we're only referring to God the Father when we're talking about the power of Jesus' resurrection. But it isn't so. The entire Trinitarian inner working of that effusive power is the kind of power that raised Jesus from the dead, and which the Bible says it's that same kind of power that will also raise us from the dead. What a power. What an incredible source of life power. And I want you to see this. I'm going to take just a few minutes, as I said, for us to substantiate what I've just said, because the Bible teaches us in the New Testament this very thing, that the Father raised the Son, that the Son raised Himself, and that the Holy Spirit raised the Son as well. So if you have your Bibles with you, please turn with me first to John chapter 5. John chapter 5. And if the wind doesn't blow your pages away from John chapter 5, you're going to see there that God the Father has life in himself, and the Son, by gift of the Father, also has life in himself. And it is a powerful life. Notice John chapter 5, beginning in verse 21. John 5, 21. For just as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, even so the Son also gives life to whom he wishes. Very, very incredible statement affirming that life, the very life power that raises the dead, is a part of both the ministry of the Father and the Son. It's natural to them. It is a part of their very nature. Verse 22, For not even the Father judges anyone, but he has given all judgment to the Son so that all will honor the Son even as they honor the Father. He who does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has eternal life. And of course, that eternal life is not just that which is granted to believers so that they may live forever in eternity. 
It also means that the very moment someone believes in Jesus Christ, then they have that eternal life that extends to forever. They have life right then, right there, not just when we die and go to heaven, but the moment we believe, our eternal life begins. Verse 26, for just as the Father has life in himself, a repeated phrase, even so he gave to the Son also to have life in himself. And he gave him authority to execute judgment because he is the Son of Man. And then notice these stupendous words of John 5, 28. Do not marvel at this, for an hour is coming in which all who are in the tombs will hear his voice and will come forth. Those who did the good deeds to a resurrection of life, those who committed the evil deeds to a resurrection of judgment. This is an amazing statement. So amazing. Because Jesus with just the word of his power, allows dead corpses to come out of the tombs alive. We see that so many times in the Gospels when Jesus, either with just the touch of a hand or the spoken word, brings people back to life, restores sight to the blind. Some of those things that we know, humanly speaking, are impossible unless the one who is doing it has almighty power. This is an amazing statement, and Jesus goes on here in John 5 to explain some of these stupendous realities about his person and his work. The Father has life in himself. He grants life in the Son in the sense that the Son, too, has the authoritative power to raise people from the dead. You know that it says in John chapter 10, if you turn turn over there, in John chapter 10, that here is the illustrative reference to the very power that John 5 talks about, the power of life giving, the power of life extending from a spoken word or a touch from Jesus is that which will obviously be a part of Jesus' own ministry to himself as he is raised from the dead. Notice John ten seventeen. For this reason the Father loves me because I lay down my life, and notice this phrase, so that I may take it again. You say, well, what is this taking again of life? Verse 18, no one has taken it away from me. In other words, yes, I, I will be murdered, I will be crucified, but I am voluntarily giving up my life. No man takes my life from me. I will raise it up again. This is what he says. No one has taken it away from me but I lay it down on my own initiative. I have authority to lay it down, and here it is, and I have authority to take it up again. 
this commandment I received from my Father. That phrase, take it up again, is a reference to resurrection. This is the Lord Jesus Christ saying to us that just as I have authority to lay down my own life by my own initiative, I have the authority and the power from God the Father, from my Heavenly Father, to raise myself from the dead. Now that is, a, that is an astonishing, astounding reality. Because this is one who voluntarily gives his life in self-sacrificial death, but who while on that cross saying, Father, it is finished, and who is entombed for three days, has the very power, because power cannot dominate him. That is the power of death. We'll see that in a moment in the book of Acts. Power has no destruction of the Son eternally. He voluntarily gave his life, but he also has the power to raise it up again. And John 10.18 tells us that. And not only the Son, but also the Spirit. Turn over in your Bibles to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. Again, an astounding place in Scripture. And these are These are not exhaustive passages that talk about the Trinity being involved in the raising of Jesus from the dead. These are just representative. These aren't exhaustive. There are other passages that either state explicitly or implicitly the idea of the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit raising Jesus from the dead. An astounding and astonishing reality. In Romans chapter 8, for instance, in verse 2, it says, for the law of the Spirit of life. And I think it's correct that Spirit be capitalized here, referring to the Holy Spirit. For the law of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. And how does it describe the Spirit? He is the Spirit of what? Life. He's the Spirit of life. He has life in himself, just as Jesus said, I have life in myself, just as the Father has life in himself. And the Spirit of God, God's Holy Spirit, has life because he is of life. And it says here, of course, that he has life that emanates from the power of his own person. He's the Spirit of life. And what does he do with that life? Notice verse 11. But if the Spirit of him, that is the Spirit of God, The him there referring to God the Father. If the Spirit of him, God's Holy Spirit, his precious Spirit, who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who dwells in us. What a great affirmation. Not only of the fact that we have the power of the Holy Spirit to raise our mortal bodies, our our degenerating bodies, our bodies that are dying every day. That's why it says they're mortal. They're not yet immortal. They will be, but you and I 
are born to die. The very first day that we're born, when we come out of the womb, is the first day of our impending death. You ever thought about that? I mean, you think about a precious little baby who's born from that mother and father, and they they coo and awe at that little one, and it's so right and appropriate to do. But every single person, including even sometimes in the providence of God, the death of that child very early, is endemic of the fact that we are born to die. But that passage in Romans 8 tells us that we, through the Spirit of God, will be raised also, our mortal bodies. And it says, through His Spirit who dwells in you. And upon what basis are we going to be raised from the dead? The first part of that verse says it. But if the Spirit of Him, the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. This is, this is a sure affirmation that the Holy Spirit was involved in the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the, bed, the dead. You say, how is that so? And the answer is, the Spirit, according to the Bible, is often mentioned as the Spirit of power. The Spirit of power. Even the very first verses of Genesis 1 in our Bibles says that the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters, creating the universe. And the Spirit was brooding over such waters. In fact, the Bible teaches us that the word Spirit can be translated with three different words. The word Spirit, of course, but the word breath as well. And in Genesis, when it says that God breathed into man the breath of life, that is the very power of the Holy Spirit. In fact, that's another word that the word ruach in Hebrew can be translated. Power, breath, life, power, the spirit of power. Do you remember the the great story in Ezekiel's prophecy where there is an affirmation of the spirit of God's power of the dry bones in the valley? Where it says that all of these bones by Ezekiel's prophecy that brings then by God the Father himself the Spirit into the process of breathing life into those dead bones so that they are resurrected. This is, this is an amazing truth that not only was God the Father involved in raising Jesus from the dead Not only is Jesus himself involved in laying down his life and then raising it up again, the Spirit of God is the very power of God, the very life of God, the very breath of God, who is involved in raising Jesus also from the dead. You say, well, wait a minute. You mentioned God the Father. You haven't told us about him. Go to the book of Acts. Look at the book of Acts. This is is a marvelous truth of how the entire Trinitarian work of power is expressed in raising Jesus from the dead. You remember in Acts chapter 2 and Peter's preaching there on the day of Pentecost, and he actually says this, and he says this, does Peter and the 
the others, as Luke records in in, uh, the book of Acts, many times that God, and when it talks about God, it means God the Father. When there's no particular reference to God, it almost always means God the Father, unless the context tells us differently. And look at Acts 2.24. Peter says, speaking about Jesus who was delivered over according to verse 23 by the predetermined plan and foreknowledge of God that the Jews nailed to a cross by the hands of the Romans, godless men, and put him to death. And verse 24 says, but God, referring to God the Father, raised him up again, putting an end to the agony of death since and this is what I referred to earlier in this message, since it was impossible for him, Jesus, to be held in death's power. Why? He wasn't having a sin nature. He didn't have one. He was pure and sinless and undefiled, as the writer to Hebrews tells us. He couldn't be bound by death because he'd done nothing to deserve death in and of himself. His, his nature was not sinful through and through. And because of that, death had no power over him. Death had no claim on him. No wonder he was raised from the dead. Because you and I are deserving of death through our sinful nature and through our wickedness. We deserve to die. Jesus didn't deserve to die. He voluntarily gave his life for us on Calvary. But it wasn't because he, as a sinner, needed to die and was going to be held in the power of that death until another resurrection to come. He had no sin. That's the the incredible point of the cross, that he who knew no sin would become sin for us, even though he had no claim as being a sinner and was not a sinner himself. And because of that, my friends, death could not claim him as one of their own. The the death angel could not claim him as one who would be forever in its grip. And none of us can be claimed by death's power because we are in Christ. Isn't that a great truth? This This is something that's said several times. Look at verse 32. This Jesus, God raised up again to which we are all witnesses. This is a great truth. wish we had time to go through the book of Acts. One time I preached a resurrection message in which literally from Acts chapter 1 to Acts chapter 28, I read every passage that had to do with the resurrection of Jesus, and there are many of them. Why? Because as the title of this message this morning at our sunrise service attests, the resurrection means everything. It means everything. Because if Jesus wasn't raised from the dead, according to Paul in 1 Corinthians 15, then we are not raised from the dead. Then Christianity is a joke. The gospel is not real. There is no hope. We are of all men to be pitied. We are lost forever in our sins. If there's no resurrection, there's no life. There's eternal death. There's judgment. There's hell forever. But if Jesus Christ is raised from the dead, 
then there is life, there is hope, there is heaven, there is joy, and there's a sunrise. This is the, this is the truth of Christianity. And that same kind of power is the very power that was utilized by the Father, by the Son, and by the Spirit. And do you know, my friends, as we close this morning, that that very power is available to you and to me, not just to be raised again on that last day, and not just to hope in such a resurrection from the dead, but also to live every day of our lives in such power. Let's close with Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3. This power that even raised Jesus Christ from the dead is said by Paul in Philippians chapter 3 to say this. Paul says, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death. And then verse 11 is that purpose phrase, in order that I may attain, that is Paul saying, I may attain myself to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I've already obtained it, he says in verse 12, or have already become perfect, but I press on so that I may lay hold of that for which also I was laid hold of by Christ Jesus. You want to know the power of his resurrection? Then you have to believe. You have to believe in Christ. You have to believe that Christ lived a sinless life, that he was obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. You have to believe that Jesus Christ was the grand miracle worker, that the signs and the power of his perfect life was the embodiment of the fact that God was so kind to us that he sent his own son into the world so that you and I would not know death and the sting of judgment in permanence forever. God the Father was so gracious and so loving of the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever would believe in him would not be condemned and judged like the world already, but but would be plucked out of the world as a precious commodity bought with a glorious price through the death of God's Son, Jesus Christ. And on that third day and in that tomb, He arose. He arose. No other religious leader on the planet, nor ever could be, could make such a claim. They're all dead. Confucius, Buddha, Mao Zedong, Pol Pot, any any would-be leader, any would-be self-proclaimed Messiah, anybody who would say that they're anything or everything, they're dead. They're gone. And those whose spirits survive, who think they're anything or everything, are in the bonds of judgment because they've refused to believe in the name of of the only Savior there is, Jesus Christ. And they will be reunited with their bodies as well in the resurrection of judgment. 
And as they are, they will be held accountable to the truth that they refuse to acknowledge the lordship of Jesus Christ. They refuse to believe that God had a plan that included their repentance and faith. You see, there's no opportunity for anyone to have a resurrected life of glory and praise and honor and hope and sinlessness and perfect fellowship and abundant eternal joy without repenting and believing in the Lord Jesus. To take him at his word. He says, I, I give life to whom he, the Father, wills. I, I die for them. I, I give of my life to them. And I will raise them up again as the first fruits of resurrection. Do you remember in Matthew's gospel where there was in this event of the cross such power that there was an earthquake? And do you know that the Bible says in Matthew's gospel that there were actually people who were already entombed and with this first fruits of the resurrection of Christ that they even as that sort of preview of coming attractions had their own bodies raised and they walked back into the city to greet their relatives? I'd call that a reunion. That's just the, that's just the preview of a coming attraction when we'll all be raised. And Jesus Christ, as the one who is risen with a capital R, is the one who will receive us unto himself. But only if we repent and believe. Only if we acknowledge our sin. Only if we say, I am a sinner through and through. I am wicked as wicked can be. And I acknowledge my sin before you. And I acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord. I acknowledge that in the confession of Jesus as Lord, that I believe that God raised him from the dead. No longer is my skepticism. No longer is my self-motivated desire to believe any kind of philosophy I want. No longer can I claim the superiority of my own intellect. And not only can I say that I'm a sinner, but I deserve to die. And I deserve to be judged. And yet, I've now come by the Spirit of God to realize that the gospel that you Christians preach is the true gospel. And that Jesus Christ, yes, he did die, but he was raised. And not only has he been raised, but he has now ascended to the Father, and one day he will return. And when he returns, he will judge, the Bible says, the living and the dead. And the living, they will be raised to a resurrection of life, of abundant life and life indeed in Christ, and the dead to a resurrection of judgment to hell and a forever separation from God and his people. This is the truth of Christianity. And no would-be Messiah, would-be king, president, potentate, emperor, no one can make a claim that they have arisen from the dead. Only Christ. Only the Lord Jesus. This is, this is why this sun is warming us up this morning. Because God has willed the S-O-N to be the son of righteousness who arises with healing in his wings.
This is the truth of Christianity, and this is the hope of the resurrection of the dead. Let's bow together in prayer. Father, this truth, the truth that you were the power that raises Jesus from the dead, and Holy Spirit, as the power of God, the life of God, the breath of God, you are also empowering Jesus to have been raised from the dead. And Lord Jesus Christ, true are your words, I lay my life down by my own initiative and I will raise it up again. Father, Son, and Spirit, we thank you for the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And through that resurrection, through that almighty power, there indeed will be a resurrection of life for all of those who are in Christ. Oh, I pray this morning that there's not a person here who is outside of Christ. And if one were to ask, how can I be in Christ? We say again, you must repent, that is, to turn from your sin, to turn away from it, to desire to live a Christ-exalting life, a separated life, a life of honor to the Son, honor to the Father, honor to the Spirit, because they hold the keys of death and of Hades. They, they have in their hands the almighty power that raises deadened sinners from spiritual death to spiritual life. And I pray that you would indeed, as many have who are seated here already done, repented, repented of their sin, and who have believed, placing their faith, their confidence, their trust, their whole life in the hands of the crucified and raised Messiah, Jesus. We don't believe in a myth. We don't believe in a falsehood. We believe in the truth that Jesus is alive and that he's coming one day to judge the living and the dead. And we pray that we would not be named among those living dead and that we would be the living alive. We pray that you would allow each person here this morning to know of the truth that Jesus offers full and free forgiveness by grace gifted to those who are holding out their hand and pleading for such forgiveness. Yes, Lord, we've made a wreck of our lives. We are sinful through and through. But we ask you, we plead with you, save us. Save me from my sin and misery. Save me from my self-delusion. Grant me eternal life Lord Jesus, because of your life, because of your resurrected life.
and allow me to be resurrected in you so that I, along with all others who are resurrected in Christ, worshiping at the throne of God forever and ever throughout all eternity. I want to know that resurrection power that Paul speaks of. I want to, I want to live a powerful, spirit-controlled, resurrected life of honor and, and joy. And I know that there will continue to be sin in my life, but I want there to be less sin each and every day. I want there to be a, a power that controls and combats sin in my heart so that I may not sin against you. I pray that you would grant this resurrection power so that each and every day that I'm living in Christ on this earth, I am growing closer and closer to the sanctified life of utter and perfect holiness. Father, I pray that there would be those here who would say hallelujah in their hearts that that is already their conviction and confession. And for those for which it is not, I pray that you would grant them eternal life even in the heart of their hearts right now. And I pray that they would come to confess to the living church their desire to be baptized and to proclaim through those waters of baptism that Jesus Christ is alive and that he saved them and that he's called them to a holy calling and that they would, having repented and believed in Jesus, would want to proclaim to the whole earth, no matter the consequences, that Jesus Christ is alive from the dead. Even confessing what Jesus said about himself in Revelation 1, I was dead, but I am alive evermore. May that be the truth, Heavenly Father, of every single one of us who are seated here today. And may we also pray for those at our 1030 service who come, particularly and potentially visitors who do not know the gospel and who do not know the Savior that we love and serve. May it be our hope and prayer that the gospel would be preached far and wide even on this day, the day of resurrection glory. For we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.